Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. If you're looking for more purpose, more passion, more joy in your life, then you have come to the right place. I am your host, coach and life alchemist, Sharin Eskandani, and I have worked with thousands of people showing them how to create their dream lives while also living their dream lives. This podcast is where mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation meet. Together, we're going to release limiting beliefs, put your dreams into motion, all while prioritizing your ease, rest, and joy. Let's do this, love. Hi, love. Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. This is where we take a deeper dive into my Mindset Monday post, which you can read on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching. Or if you want to go even deeper into this week's episode and get my free weekly journal prompts, sign up for my email list and you'll be able to explore the topics we're talking about in this episode even further. You can do that in the show notes or by heading to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com. And if you're interested in working with me, whether that's one-on-one in one of my group programs or one of my transformational courses, you can head to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com slash offerings to find out more. And of course, you can also head to the show notes and all of this information will be waiting for you there. All right, love, welcome to this week's episode. So this week, we are continuing our Courageous Conversation series by talking to Liana Naima. For the month of June, I am interviewing and highlighting women who I feel truly embody what courage is and what courage looks like. In our Courageous Conversations, we're having very candid, open, and vulnerable conversations about what it feels like to go after your dreams, about what it feels like to fail, to make quote-unquote mistakes and what it feels like to be courageous, despite what people are telling you to do. These conversations are candid, they are open, they are vulnerable, they are raw, and they're a beautiful insight into what courage looks like and feels like. Because sometimes we think that people out there doing big things have some sort of maybe like genetic mutation that makes them fearless. And what I love about this series is that it shows you that No one is fearless, and none of us ever get over our fears, but we learn how to move with the fear, how to navigate the fear in a more healthy way. This conversation with Liana is such an incredibly special one. She is hella open and vulnerable about her career journey. What I love most about this episode is that it really highlights that sometimes what we think is our quote-unquote dream may not actually be our dream. Liana's story is incredible. She went from being a teacher to then becoming a spiritual healer who was highlighted on Newsweek magazine, on the Today Show, on Essence, and then realizing that that really wasn't her dream anymore. And she went back to her first love of teaching. I love her story because it's not one about failure or making a mistake. It's one about following the path of your dream seeing where it takes you, and then checking in with yourself and saying, is this actually what I want? Liana now is a teacher, and she also is this incredible spiritual healer, but she does everything her own way and in her own time. 
She has taken everything that she learned over the last few years and applies it to her life now so that she not only has a business that is healthy, but she is also healthy. You know, this can happen so often as we pursue our dreams. We become so fixated with nourishing our dream that we forget to nourish ourselves. Liana now nourishes herself, her dreams, her life, her loves, all of the things. I think for me, the thesis statement of this episode is that deciding not to do something isn't a failure. It's actually a success. It means that you know yourself so well and you know what is best for you. Liana Naima is a beloved and loving educator and spiritual wellness practitioner specializing in an array of healing arts, such as mindfulness meditation, energy healing, and breath work. Her practice is rooted in intuitive knowledge that trusts in the innate wisdom of the body. She creates brave containers for people to confront energetic blockages with curiosity and care. Her playful spirit makes the healing process enjoyable, operating from the heart. She invites people to meet her there for her heart-centered transformations of the mind, body, and spirit. Love, I can't wait for you to hear this interview with Liana Naima. I am so incredibly thrilled to introduce you to Liana Naima. She is, for me, such an embodiment of wisdom and humor and kindness and compassion. She is the true meaning of a healer and also the true meaning of just a really damn good human being. And (laughs) to me, I'm so excited about this conversation because Liana has pivoted and shifted and she does it all with grace, even though maybe sometimes it felt a little bit not so graceful in the moment, but when she lands on her feet, it's like absolute 10 star landing. And I just really can't wait to share her story with you all. So Liana, I have been starting this series by telling people about the first time I met the person I'm interviewing. So this is how I recall how we met and you can change or, you know, edit, but I had been following Liana on Instagram for quite some time. And this human being was just dropping gems like on Instagram, you know, one of those Instagram pages that like, if the algorithm doesn't show it to you, you get angry. Like that was Liana's page for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to meet her. Like, I really want to meet her. I knew you lived in New York. And then I went to this like wellness event that was hosted by Bon Appetit, like healthy-ish at the Brooklyn, whatever, Brooklyn One Hotel. And all of a sudden, y'all, I'm not even like, I'm not even exaggerating. A beam of sunshine appears. You were wearing that beautiful yellow dress of yours. And Liana, like when you meet her in person, she's like this tall goddess. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, just act cool. It's Liana, just act cool, be cool, just be cool, everyone. And I just remember going up to you and being like, oh my gosh, I'm like such a fan of your Instagram. And we started talking and I was like, oh my gosh, she's a human being. And yeah, that's how I recall the very first time we met. Do you remember that? I do remember that. (laughs) Thank you for jogging my memory. I was actually thinking of Brown Girl Brunch was the first time, but that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I remember you coming up to me at the event 
And I think this was, if not the first time, one of the first times that everyone, anyone has ever come up to me, like in connection with my Instagram account. And I was like, what? Like, you're a fan? You like my writing? (laughs) I was so just completely taken aback by it. And your presence alone, I was completely enamored by. I mean, you just radiate love and joy and peace. And I knew whatever you would ever ask me to do after that day, it would be a yes. So <laughs> this is where we are. <laughs> Liana, well, since then, Liana, well, first you be kind of became colleagues. Like I invited Liana to come speak at this event I used to have here called Brown Girl Brunch. And then I started going to Liana. She's an incredible healer. And then kind of a friendship flourished from there, which I am so incredibly grateful for and just so privileged to call you friend. The first thing I kind of want to get into is kind of, who you are and your journey. Of, like, I want you to tell me about little Liana, where she grew up, how she grew up, what she believed was possible for her. The things we saw, I think, influence sometimes what we think is possible for us. And sometimes we see things that um, limit us and we, we break free from that. And sometimes we see things that give us permission to do things. And so I would really love to hear about your childhood and how you grew up. I love that. So I grew up in New Orleans. A lot of my childhood memories are of me sitting next to my father in the French market as he is making his jewelry. And just this array of different people are um, engaging with him as he's selling his jewelry. He makes pins and earrings. And he's just a very colorful Sagittarius man. And I grew up around this like epitome of a fire sign, really in the light person that is well known in New Orleans. Growing up in the French market, I was always known as Oscar's daughter. I was always surrounded by artists and musicians. And I also was always very curious and intuitive, which I feel like you have to be in New Orleans as your intuition has to be pretty strong (laughs) to be a kid wandering around that area. So yeah, I was walking into like occult shops and I was walking (laughs) into like different cafes and just spending the day there by myself. So I've always been a a little bit of an explorer and always just very open to what life can show me and where life could take me through the arts. I was very spoiled growing up just sheerly due to the quality of the art that I was always around. (laughs) So I'm a bit of like an art snob now because I just am so used to just like the best food and the best music. That's in regards to like my father's lineage and then my mother's lineage. My mother is also the picture of like a wild woman, like a very free spirited being. I grew up with her taking me to like Southern decadence and pride festivals. And this was me at like 13 years old, like passing out condoms at pride festivals. So I grew up with a very colorful childhood that was also it was kind of just like fearless in some ways. Um, My parents gave me a lot of freedom, which led to good and bad things occurring. I was very rebellious. You name it, I definitely had already probably done it at 16. And, um, And I'm grateful for that freedom because it just created this pathway for my life in which I felt like anything was possible and everything is possible. And I knew the importance of my own choices and how I was gonna move about this earth. So. I don't know. I think of like my childhood in regards to sort of like fragmented memories. And I think of like tap dancers on the streets and I think of school bands during Mardi Gras. And then I also think of the fact that when I was like 
six years old, there was like a tarantula in my bedroom that we had a pet and we also had a pet boa constrictor in my bedroom. So my life has always been like very colorful and shadowy at the same time, but I am grateful for it. I'm grateful for that wild sort of like, I don't know, like Rubik's cube coloring box type of experience of all these random factors leading into the creation of me. I love that. So it seems like there was a lot of permission to really think outside of the box. Big time. Yeah. Big time, right? (laughs) So I always talk about when, you know, when we're like in our late teens, early twenties, we kind of formulate this like quote unquote plan. Like this is what I'm going to do with my life. Did you have that? Did you have this like plan that you wanted to follow and do? I did not. I mean, when I was in college, um, so I went to Bryn Mawr College and I would say by like my sophomore year of college, I was actually on track to get a PhD in philosophy. Um, what, I, excuse me? Pardon? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I was actually on track to be a professor and a lot of people thought I was going to take that path. And then the first semester of my junior year, I studied abroad in South Africa and I was volunteering with the Cape Flats YMCA in Cape Town. And they asked me to create this program for a boys detention center for an anger management. So here I am, 21 years old in South Africa, creating an anger management program from scratch, doing stuff that's like mind body related, even though I had no words for this. I had no clue what I was doing, but I included like music. I included meditation. I included like self-reflective, like journaling. It's sort of like intuitively, I was being drawn towards the path of working with teenagers. And that experience was just so pivotal for me in regards to questioning freedom and my relationship with freedom and what it meant for me to be in a space where I was with youth that did not have their freedom due to circumstances that push them to commit crimes at a very young age, you know, gangs in the Cape Flats community. I'm talking about a colored community in South Africa. Gangs are very big. Um, and a lot of them are pushed into gangs um, as a generational thing, you know, and being around those kids that were accused of horrible crimes like murder and rape and seeing them as these nuanced beings that simply wanted to be kids and to be around each other really opened up the potential healing aspect of community and the classroom. And after that, I started to view classrooms very differently and the potential of what that can ignite in a youth. I had so many, so many fond memories of that moment, but it's kind of, you know, shocking to think of is that I had never taught anyone before this moment. And here I was with a group of like 12 boys <laughs> with like, you know, a guard outside the door as I'm teaching them anger management. <laughs> so yeah, that moment created a pathway for me to reconsider if I wanted to get a PhD. And then in my senior year, one of my mentors um, at Bryn Mawr, Dean Tidmarsh, who passed away a couple of years ago, She actually told me like, oh, you don't really have, it wasn't sort of like a fear, but she was like, your essence, like your energy signature is you're meant to be with the people. Like you're not meant Mm -hmm. to be in an ivory tower. Mm -hmm. Um, you're, You're meant to be someone that's shifting the world in a different way. And I took it to heart 
um, because this was actually the second professor <laughs> that had told that to me, even though I had the grades and even though I had um, the qualifications to do it. I'd been kind of being nudged by people that I really respected that I wouldn't actually be happy getting a PhD or being in the academy. Yeah. So after undergrad, I did New York City Teaching Fellows. So wait, did you know from your um, from your experience in South Africa that you wanted to start to just teach? Like it didn't have to be a PhD. It didn't have to like it's just I want to teach. I knew that I wanted to be with teenagers in some way. Got it. I knew that. Got it that was one of like my big seven. So like my, my senior year of college, I essentially wrote down seven words that I was like, if this could form some type of career, I'll be good. And I wrote like Africa, teenagers, like philosophy, English, just like a couple things like writing, just random words that I knew I'd be comfortable with. And this opening to do this teaching program was really great. And at that time period, you couldn't have told me that there was any better city in the world than New York City. I was like, I get to be in New York City after undergrad. I get a job. I get to get an apartment. Like, you couldn't tell me that this wasn't the dream. So I did the training. I got my MED from Hunter. I was teaching in the South Bronx for two years, um, teaching seniors in high school that were 18, 19 years old when I was 22. <laughs> So, yeah, so fast forward a little bit to 2014, things seemed to be going well for the most part. I had a very unexplainable traumatic back injury that occurred in April of 2014. And this back injury was due to a lot of different factors. One factor was I was not taking care of my internal landscape. I wasn't meditating. I was just repressing a lot of stress at the time. And another aspect of it is that I had an unwanted pregnancy with a guy that I was hooking up with. And I kid you not, I told him on Friday that I was planning to get an abortion. And by that Sunday, I couldn't walk anymore. Wow. And it was just the stress in my body from that situation, from my job, from not taking care of myself, from repressing emotions, from you know, from Hurricane Katrina, from, you know, from this constantly running and running and running to finish college, to get this job. And then this abortion just, you know, was the icing on the cake. So ended up, thankfully, you know, having the safe procedure due to Planned Parenthood. And I thought the pain was going to go away and the pain didn't go away. And he disappeared. And there I was alone with a broken body, crawling on the ground, seeing chiropractors, orthopedic surgeons, you know, you name it, I saw it. Yeah. So for six months of my life, I was basically on the ground crying and on like 12 to 14 pills a day, Valium, Percocet, Tramadol. I had like a whole little concoction of pharmaceutical drugs so I could barely stand and I was barely present and I was barely alive. Um, I was very, very numb. And mm. I can't tell you most of the stuff that happened during that time period. I was so checked out. So yeah, that happened in April. And then a couple months later, the school I was at, you know, they were sick of me. They were like, this girl can't even walk right now. She needs to get out of here. So my school pushed me out. And by, I think it was by June, I interviewed at the school that I'm still currently at. And it was 
sort of like love at first sight. My principal saw me in my cane and she saw that I still um, had this spirit that really cared about teenagers and wanted to be in a school. And she gave me a shot and I haven't sort of turned my back on that school since. Mm. And yeah, that's like a, a little glimpse of the story. I can keep going if you want. I feel like that was, a- <laughs> I mean, there's so much there, but like just that back injury, like I'm hearing, it was just, you kind of went like, you didn't even take a break, right? You finished your undergrad, went straight to this, like came to New York, which is a huge move, right? Went to this demanding program. And also you're working with kids in the New York school system, which is not an easy school system um, to navigate. And all of that with everything happening in your personal life, just your body was just like, F you, I'm, I'm shutting you down. Yeah. So I'm curious, Liana, you know, I met you not as the teacher, but as the healer, right? Which you are all things. Was that part of you alive, that healer part of you? When did you fully step into that or embrace that? Yeah, it started coming alive, I would say, like late October, like October of 2014. I started sensing the presence of my grandmother very tangibly in my life. And there was just moments where I was like walking up and down, you know, a street in Harlem. And it was just so hard taking any, every step. And I would feel this presence next to me and I'm like, oh, this is Jeanette. And hi, Jeanette. And how are you, grandmother? <laughs> and it that was also a trauma cycle because my grandmother passed away in front of me when I was 16. Wow. So sensing her presence was beyond words. I had never sensed her presence before until then. And it was something that I had been deeply, deeply craving was sort of that closing of that trauma cycle is honoring her and remembering her, but me thinking, I don't have any time. I don't have time to process this pain of seeing this figure pass in front of me. So once I started sensing her, um, I kind of knew that something was like pulling me um, (laughs) to turn inward. And I started painting. I started just doing things that would require me to be a bit more mindful. And the biggest shift was probably meeting my partner um, in October of 2014. And he's a big meditator and a yogi. And I don't know what he was seeing, but he saw a little broken me and was like, I'm going to fix her. I'm going to help her. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he poured a lot of love into me and After I ended up getting back surgery and the pain came back, you know, several times after we decided to try drastic measures and we turned towards plant medicine in 2015. And after doing plant medicine, things opened up, you know, in my subtle energetic body, like very quickly, I started becoming more sensitive to music, to food, to sound. I started doing intuitive energy healing work. And when I got Reiki attuned that year, it's like the pain completely disappeared. So the pain now is something that is very, very rare when it comes up. And I have like a whole process of when I deal with it, but it was that moment of getting the Reiki attunement and working with plant medicine that my body was, you know, stabilized to do more of that healing. After getting my Reiki certifications, you know, things just sort of took off very, very quickly. Um, I would say at a rate that was almost unsustainable. Um, <laughs> Cause at, at this time, right. So you're teaching at this new school that you're really enjoying and you're liking, 
you have met this new partner who is kind of really supporting and encouraging you to try out alternative methods of really loving and healing yourself. And it seems to be working. And then you're also doing the same. So all of your intuitive powers and abilities are really heightening. You're at this job. And then, and then what happens, Liana? (laughs) So, yeah. So what happens is it happened very quickly, but I started doing energy healing work. I started working with folks and one of the first people that I said, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) You're just saying this as if like, I just put like a thing out on Facebook and was like, "Um, tell me about like that. Like, did that, first of all, knowing you, I know how you're going to answer this, but I want people to hear this. Did that seem congruous with what you were doing? Was there any part of you like, this is is this weird that I'm like teaching, but now I also want in my house to have like a Reiki studio and do like vortex healing. Like was any part of you like, this is odd or weird. I don't think I thought about it. I think honest to God, like honest to God, I didn't think about it. I was it just, just felt like, good. It just felt like, Oh, of course this is what I'm supposed to do now. You know, of course, of course, you know, people are emailing me before I had a website and they were like, okay, hey, so then yes. How did people, <laughs> how Cause I think this is another thing. Like, I think a lot of people, right. Are like, I would love to be a coach. I would love to be a Reiki healer. Right. What I love about Liana is I feel like you follow your intuition really well. And also the universe provides for you when it needs to, like it comes through in, in so many ways. Um, and so, which can be a blessing sometimes and also a burden, but yeah. So then how did people find out that you were doing this work? So the folks in the plant medicine community were intuitively being drawn to me like during sessions and they were, it was just kind of happening. Like I was just moving my hands and I was just channeling this sort of like universal life force energy. And it just became this amazing intuitive flow of me remembering something that was clearly from a past, a past lifetime. I mean, it was, there was no book that taught me how to do energy healing work intuitively. It's just a simple like cellular remembrance of something that I don't know if it's from my ancestral line. I don't know if it's just something that's past lifetimes, but it is something that is definitely old that was awakened in me. And one of the first people that shared about my work, she was my business partner for a while, Brittany Josefina. She had like a really big following on Twitter She tweeted about it. People started emailing me. We did amazing events together under the series called Divine Release in New York City. And we must have hosted probably six to eight experiences. I would say it was from like 2016 to 2017, end of 2017. We did a bunch of events together that were super beautiful experiences, like always like 30 people. So this was, you know, at a time in New York in which this wasn't really a thing yet, even though it doesn't seem like that long ago, there was no other Black women. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like women of color, especially. Yes. Yeah. Doing this in the city quite yet. So it took off. And during this time, I was also sharing my writing on Twitter. And I was just sharing things in passing because I had felt that my spiritual evolution was so rapid that I was documenting it for myself. Mm. And then I was thinking, oh, I could just post this like on Instagram and let's see what happens. I honestly remember the first time I ever posted something on Instagram, having so much like anxiety around it. I was like, ugh, like, ugh, like someone's going to judge me. Like, who am I to like, 
share a, a tweet, you know, like who am I? <laughs> it was such, it was such a weird time period on social media in which folks that when they were sharing their writing, it was like this weird type of like, I don't know. It was like, I don't know if it was like idolization, if that's the right word, but there was a lot of like gunky projections that would happen. Like once you would share your writing, like, who are you to share, you know, what you're processing? So anyways, so after sharing my writing and by like the summer of 2017, things got very, very busy. I was doing stuff with Black Girl and Ohm. I was in like Essence Magazine. I was in Shane Magazine. I did something for Yahoo. And this was all within like the first year of my practice. And I was very startled by it. Yeah. I was not comfortable <laughs> with that level of attention and, proje- and projections. So, Well, were you still teaching at the time, Liana? I was, yeah. Okay, because... This is around the time that I was introduced to Liana's work. And if you were watching Liana, especially on social media, I mean, that that was a full-time job, especially the the fact that you're holding space for these people in your healing work, but then holding space for these teenagers, that's energetically a lot for one human being. I did not know that at the time you were also teaching. So, wow. Okay. So you were doing both of these things and your healing career was really taking off. And I want to just say this, what I love about Liana's story is you were so in the flow of just where this dream took you. Yeah. Right. And you allowed people to help you. You uh, formed connections. You did a lot of community work, which is very similar to my story too, which then brought you these amazing platforms to be on, but also like, holy crap in a year's span. And this wasn't even what you intended. (laughs) to do. Right. So, okay. So lots of projecting, lots of just being on this platform, being asked to do things. Okay. So here we are, Liana, what happens next? (laughs) I feel like I should have more profound questions, but I'm like, tell me the story. What happens next, Liana? Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Okay. So, (laughs) so, so by like the summer of 2017, I basically decide like, I want to go, I want to teach part-time next semester. So I tell my principal, she's a hundred percent supportive. She knows everything that's going on with my healing work. She's very excited for me. And she's like, you always have a full-time position when, if you want to come back full-time. And so that fall, I Liana, can I am... ask a quick question. Yeah, of course. The reason why you did part-time was that because of the fact you loved the work so much and you didn't want to stop? Or was it because like income, security, stability, benefits, like what what was the reasoning behind the part-time of it all? There was several different factors. I felt like I couldn't do both to the caliber that I wanted them to be. I felt like the quality was being compromised in the work that I was doing. Um, and I think that's also partially due to having poor boundaries at the time. And another factor is that I wanted to see what it would feel like to step into something with full trust and full mm. surrender. I felt like I had played things by the book for a lot of my life. And I was very sort of energetically curious to see what would happen if I were to open up my time in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a nice opening and I enjoyed teaching part-time and I enjoyed seeing clients, you know, things continued to build into 2018. By 2018, I was full-time just focusing on my practice, doing events monthly in the city. 
working at different studios like Maha Rose. So in Heel House at the time. So I was really just allowing things to expand as they were showing themselves to me and meeting the moment as it was arising. And I was really grateful for everything of that occurred that year. It was a big year of taking off with like my social media following. So by 2019, which is like my big, big year in regards to my soul's evolution, yeah, I could probably do that year like month by month. So, <laughs> so yeah, that year was without a doubt the hardest year of my life, without question the hardest year of my life. By February of that year, I had done an event for NBC Universal, which was a huge deal for me at the time. I was also in USA Today in February of that year. And you couldn't tell me shit, like quite honestly, I, I wasn't like an ego maniac, but I was just, I was really feeling myself. I was like, wow, like I'm killing it out here. Like I'm really proud of the work I'm doing. And I felt and like I was- Liana, you, I mean, I'm going to ask this, but I know the answer too. You didn't have like PR or a manager or you were just get right? Yes. These things were just coming to you, right? Yeah. Okay. So these amazing opportunities are coming to you. You're feeling like you're the shit. You're really feeling like- I'm good at the work I'm doing and the right people are coming to me. Okay. So February NBC, we got NBC, we got USA Today. Then what? Then what? <laughs> so March rolls around and my back is hurting and I start to feel my body's like shutting down a bit. And I start to just, you know, I gradually, I just feel like things were slowing down in like a really interesting way. And I started to just feel like this intense sort of like looming presence. I don't know how to describe it. I could just feel like some, something was about to happen, like something big. So we get to April and April, this one week at April is my month. When I tell you shit always happens. You're April. right. April's so, our month. April's my month. Oh, we just <laughs> passed April. Was this April okay, Liana? Ooh, I did it. I'm good. <laughs> Nothing happened in April, y'all. I'm good. I'm good. April 2022 <laughs> was a good one, but Quality. So we're, <laughs> April 2019 though. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, that weekend. <laughs> so I don't remember the exact weekend. I think it was like, I don't know, like first, probably maybe the first weekend of April. Let's just say that I had an event at Heel House called Creations Playground. It was by far probably the most brilliant thing I thought I'd come up with at the time. I still love that name. And it was a cacao ceremony, breath work, amazing turnout of like, I think it was like 16 people. And the event was just so wonderful. That next day I was at a brunch. It was sort of like an influencer's brunch. And I bumped into one of my friends there. And at the time I was really enjoying psilocybin ceremonies, like pretty small psilocybin ceremonies. And I invited her to my place to do a little ceremony between us. And we ingested one gram each, which is not a big dosage at all of psilocybin in liquid form and things got really weird. Mm. <laughs> things got really weird, really fast. That night I saw something in the sky that I've never seen since that I can send you the video of later. 
I remember you post, I think you posted on Instagram. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. I did post that. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yes. 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 So I posted that on Instagram and I don't know, for me, it was just like some sign. I was like, I don't know. It's weird. Like something is going on in the ether. Then that week, Nipsey Hussle passed away. The Dalai Lama almost died that week. My brother, like 24 hours after me ingesting that one gram was threatening to commit suicide. Mm. And I decided not to go to Vipassana that I had scheduled during that time period. I headed to New Orleans to try to support my brother. And let's just say I never grounded after that experience. And as days and days would go by, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I wasn't hungry. I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe this is just some spiritual, like, I don't know, maybe I'm eating off the sun or something. Like, I don't know, you know, all these weird new age theories. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, I'm like, y'all, Liana does eat. I've had pizza with her. Yes. She's like, this is not someone who, because there are people who are like, yes, I just eat off the sun. And no, no this is I, not Liana. Like I, as part of Liana's community, I think all of us were very worried and concerned because like the Liana that we were in touch with was not the Liana that we knew. You weren't, you weren't grounded. You were just, it, yeah, it was very concerning to see. Yeah. 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 So essentially I was like posting erratically on social media. I was like posting stuff in my Instagram stories. And when I was in new Orleans, I was just receiving all of these messages, like all of these downloads. And I know today that what happened to me was a drug induced psychotic break. Mm. Um, that's the medical language of what happened. I am still shocked by the fact that it was such a small dosage from a a carrier that I've worked with for years, the same dosage, the same person I've worked with for years. So during this manic episode, things were really scary and I felt like I could fly. You know, I felt I was singing to the sun. I felt like I could get hit by a car and do a backflip after. It's like, you feel like a superhero in a manic state. You feel like you're directly with God as God. And it was really trippy, all of the downloads that I had during the time period. And, you know, everything became a sign, everything became a sign. And I, by the grace of God, you know, nothing happened to me, but there were some very terrifying moments that things could have went left. I went to the airport um, without any money with my luggage, <laughs> back and forth in a cab. And the cab driver tried to get the police to, you know, didn't even have my phone. The cab driver was trying to get the police to arrest me. I got into a car with two strangers with pitch black windows. They drove me to New Orleans East. One person pulled out a gun and then he just drove me back to my hotel room and nothing happened. They didn't hurt me. They didn't ask for money from me. I walked up and down Canal Street with a robe on, literally just a robe on, and nobody nobody touched me. Nobody bothered me. So during this time period in New Orleans, I was like literally leaving things around New Orleans. Like I left my, you know, I left my laptop. I left my gold uh, necklace. I was like leaving offerings all around the city. I was pouring honey on the ground. I was just so in like, I guess like insanity, but also like (laughs) in... (laughs) But it also just felt like I was so alive. (laughs) So I ended up essentially burning my system out. (laughs) And 
I shut off my Instagram <laughs> during that time. I, I disabled my account. My family got me into a hospital. I was hospitalized for 10 days. I was on medication. And then when I get out of the hospital, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, this will be an easy thing. Like, this will be something I can smooth over. Like, mm. I'm, I'm sure people will care, you know, my 10,000 followers at this time. I'm sure they'll care to know that I'm okay and that this was essentially something that was drug-induced. And I couldn't get my Instagram back. I couldn't clean up the story. I couldn't apologize to people that I may have embarrassed. Um, mm. It was very messy and a lot of people disappeared. Mm. So yeah, that was April of 2019. And I spent like probably six months of that year in like a super, super depressive state, just feeling like my life was over. Um, and like, I didn't matter anymore. And that I'm sorry, I'm like tearing up. Mm. It felt like in this world of illusions of social media, because I was attracting so many people who exist as these illusions <laughs> yeah. um, that my image didn't matter anymore. And I, as a person, therefore didn't matter anymore. So yeah, it was by far the most humbling experience of my life. Mm. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And the reason why I managed to sort of repair my brain is because I knew I, I just wanted to go back home to like mm -hmm. te teens. I wanted to go back home to kids that aren't existing in ego and aren't existing as these formed self-concepts and more just existing as intuitive lights and just playing in reality. So yeah. So I spent like six months having to renew my teaching certifications. I had to study math for six months straight, like algebra one, algebra two. Wow. Just... That is a testament to really loving the work, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Baby girl um, was on Khan Academy. Like I could literally be a sponsor for Khan Academy. Like I swear to God, like I learned so much math in six months just wow. to pass this stupid exam because I had to renew my license. Liana, I it sounds like this experience in April 2019, right? I mean, it was this, you had this astronomical kind of um, crescendo to what you were doing when it came to the healing world. And it, it was, and it was, a, it was a lot. Like, even when I was witnessing from the outside, I was like, I mean, you, I mean, to me, I was like, I want to be just like Liana. Like, I can't do this. I can't do the shit Liana does. I could never do it. And all of us are unique, but just the way you were showing up, but also now being on that side of things, it's also, it's just a very weird place to be. Cause it's like, you are the only person there's no team. Like it's just me. It's just you. And you especially are doing this work that is so it's spirit-based, right? So it, I can't even imagine that. And then going through April, 2019, it sounds like it brought you back to what was most important what was most important for you again? Yeah. Yeah. Love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the love of it all, um, having to practice like deep self-compassion and self-forgiveness yeah. and being okay with people that don't want to see the ugly of life. You know, I don't, I don't blame the people that disappeared. Um, it's very harsh digesting like bitter truths and bitter medicine that can come up in people's life stories. And I was never the type that needed 
anyone to hold space for me, which I think maybe may have turned healers away from wanting to be my friend anymore. I more was just kind of surprised as to how I just felt like silenced and ignored and like Mm. abandoned. And it's also like a deep childhood wound, like dealing with like neglect and abandonment um, came up during my childhood quite a bit. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it was a, the picture perfect example of the ego death of Saturn return of a complete complete dissolution of the self. Mm. I had nothing to hold on to anymore. And I simply was just craving community deeply. And that's why I went back to teaching in January of 2020, you know, that weird ass time before COVID like three months before. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back, COVID. <laughs> so, and now, Liana, um, I see you teaching. I see you so happy. I see you so grounded. And I also see you doing your healing work, but really on your own terms. Yeah. That's what I feel like is very different now. It's like, you're still doing amazing things. You're still creating amazing content, but it's all your own terms. Yeah. What does that mean? Or what does that look like? What does your own term? Because that's, what, that's what, how I see it, but I don't know what that means to you. Yeah, I think for me, there was definitely an aspect of like allowing other people to influence like the image that I was forming for myself. You know, I, I was young. I I was like 27, you know, when I got my first feature in a magazine. And then by 30, I had this really public thing. And now here I am at 32 and, you know, I'm coming more into my womanhood and I don't need someone to tell me who I am. Like I know Mm. who I am. I'm a person with many shades and I'm not afraid to see any aspect of myself. And I hope people see that in my writing and I hope they hear that in my voice, um, that it is okay to see all parts of you and love all parts of you in compassion as you're evolving. Yeah. I feel like I'm just incredibly more grounded and present. I'm a space holder of, of a huge, group of people every single day are on my ship. I have teenagers on my ship. I co-facilitate a psychedelic community. I don't do any medicine, but I co-facilitate a a secret community. I have um, my clients are on my ship, my people that come to my events. I mean, every single day, I pretty much am responsible for like 80 to a hundred people interacting with me in some way. So Yeah, I just take it very seriously, being grounded and caring for myself and being as present as possible. The reason why I wanted to have Liana in this series, besides the fact that she's amazing at what she does and she's an amazing human, is I feel like your story really highlights and illustrates the pivots, how when we're in the flow, the pivots happen, but then also how going back to something isn't a regression, how it isn't like a failure, how it isn't. And and you doing this other thing wasn't a mistake, how this was all just part and parcel of like the Liana Naima experience. Right. And I really think we need to be more open and honest with our career changes and with things. Cause like, I remember when I went from singing to coaching, I was really, really worried about telling my singing community because of the judgment I feared that I would face, right? Because in the singing community, if you're not singing, then that, that's like, oh, she didn't have it. She couldn't hack it. She wasn't you know, good enough. But for me, I just found something I really loved. I really, really loved it at that point in my life. And so I wonder for you, what was that experience like of 
being like, actually, no, I, I really want to go back to teaching full time and I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. What was that like for you? It just felt like a full body. Yes. Honestly, I don't, I don't you wrote a post about that on Instagram yeah, and like, <laughs> it's my favorite. If it's not a full body. Yes. I'm, I'm not in, I'm not coming. Yeah, I'm not I doing was, it. I, I don't, uh, you know, everybody's in a human design these days. I'm like, so I just, <laughs> but one of my friends told me recently that I'm such a feelings based. Dis- I make decisions based on my feelings and I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Like it just, it felt like it was the thing I was supposed to do. And <laughs> so I think I just really make intuitive decisions all the time. And it's just so much like second nature just that level of flow and with where I'm supposed to be and where I'm not supposed to be and what feels in alignment and what doesn't feel in alignment and what is going to lead to growth and what isn't going to lead to growth. And honestly, after that year, that traumatic year, I knew I just wanted to be around people that didn't know me that way. I didn't want to be around people that may have been wondering like, why am I not doing this? Or why am I doing that? Or just giving me their opinions when I didn't ask for them. I had like a pretty, it was rough. It was really, really rough. Like what happened and very public. And I just wanted to be a stranger in a way Mm -hmm. again with people and in a space that I knew was familiar and safe for me energetically. Mm -hmm. So being a teacher full time at this moment, it's home. Like Mm -hmm. I, I love going to work. I love my kids. I am several kids' favorite teacher. And that is like the biggest compliment you can ever mm. get is like having a child say, you're my favorite teacher, like yes. over, over and over again. Like, all right, kid, I get it. But like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you really mean it. <laughs> but there's just something about a level of responsibility, even in like your integrity and your values of living up to that standard of having to maintain that love and care for that love that someone is pouring into you. And that is the reciprocal, you know, the reciprocity. That's, I think that's the word of just like what I get from teaching. It's a very nourishing space for me. Mm. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world that aliveness that I feel. And it's also the aliveness that I feel with my clients and in doing events in the city again. So I I have rebuilt pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Liana, I mean, that's the thing, Liana, I mean, you're amazing at what you do, right? So, but that's the tough thing, right? When you're really amazing, people want to work with you and people want to ask a lot of your time. And I think before those boundaries weren't there. um, And also it's just kind of that that mentality of, I can't say no to things. Cause then what if they stop coming my way? And I think right now I see you being very discerning, trying to be more discerning and having more boundaries around what you do and who you work with. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I say this often, but I'm like, you know, with with clients of mine who want to do the type of work we do or any type of work, but I always say your business is only healthy as you are. So I don't care how much money you're making, or if you're on the cover of the USA today, or you're on NBC, like if you are not healthy in body, spirit, and mind, none of it matters, yeah. none of it. And it's hard to understand that. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a, in a really interesting position with, in regards to like abundance and in regards to 
just manifestation because it's from a space that there's like no monetary attachment to it because I don't have any needs on that level with what I want to create in reality right now. So it's a whole different vantage point when it's not from like a needs-based decision. It's more like a love-based decision. So I'm excited to see what I create from this space and what is in alignment from a space in which I have to be very discerning because Mm. I only have so much time in a day. (laughs) You know, I only have so many hours that I can be open to other people. Yeah. 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 Liana. So I want to finish up with, I have three questions that I've been asking everyone I've been interviewing. They're very easy. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) I saw Liana's face. I'm like, don't worry. This is not like, but I want you to just define it. Or I want you to answer these as you would today, right? This doesn't have to be like the be all end all answer, but just like today, this is what I'm leaning into. This is the answer for today. But Liana, what is courage or how do you define courage? Courage is the ability to make decisions that may make people uncomfortable for your highest good and highest potential. Courage is the ability to choose yourself, (laughs) even in moments in which things may be trying to pull you in different directions. Courage is the freedom to create and the ability to. So I love that. The next question, Liana, is what is your North Star? I'm going to ask you to like define that. Like, what do you mean by like, what is it? North Star? However you define like the North star, like the thing, the comp, if I had a compass and I, I know I follow my heart or I fall like, well, what would your North star be? The thing that you think is like, if I follow this, I know everything is going to be okay. My North star is love without a doubt. Love every single day, every single decision, every single moment of presence. And when I'm interacting with someone, How can I choose love in this moment? How can I deepen into love? Loving myself more, loving my family more, loving my career path more, the art, the creative process. It's it's always been love. Mm. Even when I forgot, it's always still been love. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so final question, Liana. If someone was listening and they were thinking of taking a big leap in their life, pursuing a dream or just like jumping off the, you know, metaphorical cliff, What wisdom or advice would you give to that person? This is a big one. I think, I think like the first thing that came to mind would just be being conversation, like with your fears and practice like self-inquiry and questioning yourself in a way that is rooted in, you know, self-kindness. I also think it's important to know at the same time that you're not going to necessarily find yourself <laughs> in, an, in a new choice or a new career pathway, but this is how your essence is desiring expression. Mm-hmm. And it's important, I think, not to have expectations on it. Like I know folks that are like, I want to be a famous singer. I want to be a famous dancer. I think it's important honoring the flow of what's wanting to come through and really sort of surrendering to the movement um, instead of resisting it because there will constantly be that level of discomfort until you are allowing yourself to choose what's right for you. So yeah, it's kind of layered, but on one layer, it's 
question yourself for sure but on the other layer it's like you are beyond all of these things anyway so why are you having expectations of yourself around it? <laughs> that makes sense yeah I love it Liana Liana where can people find you and your work so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Liana Naima and I have a website for uh, sessions or events at liananaima.com y'all you need to go check out Liana's work. You need to follow her. We'll have all the information too in the show notes. Liana, thank you so much for giving me the privilege to spend this time with you, to interview you, to hear your story and to share your story with my community. I just feel so grateful and it's been such a privilege and I love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> I feel like I turned into like a little girl now. I'm like, no. <laughs> Thank you so much, Liana. And yes, find her info, go follow her. And thank you, my love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow where you love listening most. And if you haven't yet, leave a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Podchaser or Podcast Addict. Until next week, love.